Welcome to our Hockey Day Minnesota preview. We focus today on Warroad, Minnesota and the Warroad Warriors who come down to take on the Minneapolis team in Hockey Day Minnesota this year. Instead of taking the normal route of journalists to talk about Hockey Day Minnesota and the hockey team in Warroad, we thought we'd take a different slant and interview Daryl Sun Shogabay, who is an assistant coach and hockey dad, hockey player, soon-to-be hockey grandpa uh, from Warroad, Minnesota. And we thought we'd talk to him about being a Native American and the Native American culture in Warroad, Minnesota, and how well they work together, the Native Americans and the white people in the town and the melting pot that's become Warroad, Minnesota. We learn a lot from Daryl. I hope you enjoy our show, but hopefully the most you'll get out of the show is that Daryl's big, two big lessons. To be successful in, in relations in anywhere in America, we need to educate ourselves and we need to learn to accept, accept others. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoy Hockey Day Minnesota. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire Well, good afternoon everyone. We're here for a special hockey day podcast with Daryl Sun Shagabe from Warroad, Minnesota. Thanks for joining me today, Daryl. Well, you're welcome. It's weird for me to call you Daryl. I'm just going to go back to Sun because that's what I've been calling you for all the years I've known you. Um, today's podcast will be a little bit different. We're not going to talk about Hockey Town USA. We're not going to talk about Hockey Day Minnesota. We're not going to talk about any of those topics. We're going to talk about Native Americans, uh, Native American heritage in Warroad, and how this all plays into the game of hockey, which you and I both love. We go back a long ways playing the game, and you're going to be our teacher today. I've heard you're a great hockey teacher today. Let's see if you can be a great cultural and Native American teacher today. You are spitting out some stories to me before we turn the recorder on, and I hope uh, you do as well on, on the record as you do uh, did with me before we go. So you ready to roll? I'm ready to go. All right, so let's uh, start off with some easy stuff. Uh, tell me about your Native American heritage. Which tribe do you come from? Well, the, the Shogabee family uh, originated out of the White Earth Reservation in, in west central Minnesota. Uh, Grandpa and Grandma Shogabee moved up to the world area in the 60s for, for work. So that's where most of my heritage comes from is on the Shogabee side. I also, my father was a Native world guy that uh, belonged to the Red Lake Band, so but um, growing up, I basically grew up in the in the Shagabee household, and so I was the, the White Earth part of the Ojibwe from from the White Earth area. Is Red Lake is also Ojibwe as well? Yes, they are. Okay, all right. There's a, the, out of the tribes in, in Minnesota. I think there's only one that has um, 
Lakota or Sioux blood going through them. And that's the okay. So everything else is Ojibwe, yep. Chippewa, right? Sure. I was trying to explain to Peter uh, yesterday. I'm like, well, I go, yeah, he's Ojibwe. No, he's Chippewa. I'm like, it's the same thing. He's like, no, it's not. I'm like, look it up. It's the same thing. Well, it's the same thing. I always just say that the Ojibwe is a native name and the Chippewa is the white anglicized name. So, correct, yeah. correct, correct, correct. Okay, so we, we've established your heritage. Uh, where did you grow up? Uh, I'm guessing you grew up always in world. I did, yep. Uh, when they, they grew up, my grandparents came up in the 60s, uh, my mother met, uh, say, a local world guy, that, and, uh, and I was born in the late 60s, so I grew up there, went to school there. Uh, the only time I spent away was a couple of years I spent at Bemidji State and then ended up back in world and been there ever since. All right, so talk a little bit about the, the word war road, and I know the answer to this, but uh, tell me about what does the word war road mean, and, and why, why is the town called war road? Well, okay, the, the war road comes from the, the Ojibwe name, Quebecanon, which is basically the warring road. So those where, where where was the war where, where was this world where was this ro- road headed to? Well, I think, right, I think it headed to the west out of uh, Lake of the Woods there, the mouth of the Warroad River, and it headed west uh, to Lakota or Sioux area. So, but the the Warring Road or War Road, Quebecanong name, was uh, that's how the name was formed um, because it was a warring road. It was it was a a war trail that the Sioux. And the Chippewa used to fight about all the time. Yeah. And, and basically it was, like most things, it was just for the natural resources in the area. The, the water. Gate, the water, the gateway to the lake. And uh, and so that's that's where the name has come from. So it originated um, the roots of the city and how it's all been built is is really from the native heritage. All right. So that you, you, led in, you led me perfectly to where I wanted to go with this. So um, the town had a... When when the settlers came, the town had a reservation. It had some had some reserved land, and it was good land too. Talk about the history of of how that transpired, and and how the town, uh, the settlers, and the natives actually forged a, a good working relationship. Well, the best story I could say there is yes, there's and there still is trusted land or native land, reserve land, whichever you'd like to yep. call it in the world area. Uh, of course, we have a casino in our town where that sits is, was trusted land. And there's, um, on the edge of the river, there's always been trusted land. And so the, the best story I'd like to let people know about is, again, how we got the name World Warriors. Right. And and how that came about was you know, the chief at the turn of the century, the 1900 turn, um, was a guy named Namapuk. And... He had the foresight, at least I would like to think that this. Right. Um, that he had the foresight uh, at the time when our, our first school was going to be built um, in the early 30s. Um, uh, at least the story in the history that I got is this, that uh, the local um, non-native people were saying that would be this would be a great place to build a school, which was right on the river um, and a really central location for Warroad. And so they started talking to Namapuk, the the guy that had the had the land, the trusted land, the, the native land, and um, giving credit to Namapuk to have the foresight, he thought it was a good idea that he should trade a little chunk of the native land for the school and the educational opportunity for world. But he had a condition, and the condition was... This is the uh, best part. I'm going to give you this land, but we'd like you guys to be called the warriors, the world warriors. And they th- thought that was a good trade-off good for both parties so hence 
the nickname, and hence why we still have it to this day. And there's always been uh, a war, a, a native superstar. Every generation, there seems to be a native superstar. You want to talk about some of those superstars dating way back? <laughs> you being one of them, well, of course, I, right? Oh, no, gosh, no. <laughs> I can't go way back. I can just go back to what I've read about in the 40s and 50s when it became prevalent, when hockey became very prevalent in the world. But if you go back to the 40s and 50s, there was the, the infamous Oshi family that was mm-hmm. part of world. And there was another family called the Jones. And uh, at the time, the local chief was Max Jones. But So since the inception of high school hockey and world, and hockey in general, there's always been natives because there's always been natives in the community um, for as long as I can remember. And, of course, going back to that story, late 1800s and early 1900s, there's always been natives in the community. And... For whatever the reason, I can't tell you exactly, at least in the 30s and 40s and 50s, why, but there's always been natives that played hockey, and there still is to this day. Um, yes. You know, like on our current high school team, I think there, there's four native boys. So Just on the varsity. Just, yeah. So it's that way. A couple of years ago on the girls' team, there was nine of the 30 girls. Were, so there's just always been the natives. The Gardner sisters are the ones oh, I remember oh, yeah. best. Yep. And so there's just always been natives that have played hockey. Um, it's it's been a a, a pretty good. You talk about the fifties. Let's go to who is who is our superstar in the sixties. Probably one of the greatest <laughs> of all time. Right? Yeah, I think so. And I was only fortunate if I was too young or whatever, but I only got to watch him play a couple times during his heyday. But um, you see videos. But of course, Henry Henry was uh, the first real big Native American star to come out of world, and he was about as big as you get um, to this day. You know, you you can mention his name anywhere in the state of Minnesota, and people know, and they'll they remember things. Like I remember my first year when I went to Bemidji State, I was wearing a world jacket, and they came up, somebody came up and tapped me on the back, and they asked me, "Do you know Henry Boucher?" <laughs> I mean, it, it was just like wherever you go. And so I've really come to appreciate it over the years, just how good he was, or um, during that era. Um, I wish I would have been a little bit older to watch him. Yeah, but, same. Uh, We're the same age. Yeah, so. he's yeah, he's he was great for the community. Uh, not only world as a whole, but for the native community, and he's been a great ambassador for us. And doing some research on, I was watched the the NBC uh, special that they did on world, and one of the quotes about Henry was, people said when he would get the puck on the stick at the Met Center when he was in the state tournament, the whole crowd would stand up. I've this heard. is like Jesus was parting, <laughs> you know, sea, yeah. this, is like, this is happening, you know. Yeah, it, like say over the years, coaching and going into different ranks, and again, people ask, you know, I, I remember being in Thief River early in my coaching career and being in their old rink that's downtown. Yep. I didn't even know it existed, but I was there once, and a guy came to me and told me, he was telling me a story of how Henry Boucher shot the puck through the backboards. And I didn't believe it. And then another guy would tell me once he sh- he saw Henry shoot a puck that broke in half when it hit the pipe. I mean, it's just everywhere you go, there's stories. And like, it's the legend. And, and he would play the whole game. And it was just, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Well, good stuff. And then and then fast-forwarding in the, the, the 70s and the 80s and, 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 and the, all the way up to, to T.J. Oshie. Are there others between Henry and, and T.J. That, that we should know about? Not that had that much success. Um, but there again, there's... Like say, there's as long as I can remember, um, there's always been native kids that have played. There's always been native kids that have, have inspired to play. Um, you know, Henry led that for a long time, and now in recent, in the last 15 years or so, TJ's been an inspiration that way. 
um, for native native kids in the community to to aspire to. You have a son, Jason, who's a, a, a budding star himself. What does he look at when he's looking up? Is T.J. Oshie the Megatron, or is there other players out there? Well, it was for a few years. I mean, he would watch anything. Any, well, I guess he still does, but anything T.J. does, I, I would guess he knows every move or shootout move that T.J. has and, and all that kind of stuff. But he also had Brock to look up to because right. um, uh, Brock played with my, my older son, Dane, and so... Um, Jason got to know him a little bit, but now he is, uh, it's just really good hockey players, whether it's TJ Brock. He, he doesn't loves, matter. He loves uh, Jack Hughes and, and Quinn Hughes and Brock Besser. And he just, yeah, he, it doesn't he's matter. just a fan. Yeah. He's well, we're all big fans. So talk a little bit about the logo um, and, and what's being, you know, in every other town, in every other professional sports, North Dakota, Washington, you name it, there's 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 a protest to to take the Indian names and logos off of helmets and team names. In this town, it's just the opposite. Talk a little bit about that and and why that is. Well, it's why it took, it's actually it's a reverse here. It's actually embraced. It's embraced, yeah, and but it's embraced because of some of the things that some of the early, when I say early, I'm going to just go back into the late seventies and early eighties. Um, you know, in our town, because we have a native population, you know, we have a, an Indian education department. It's required by it's the required state, by, by, by state federal or fed, law, yeah, yeah, federal law to have this Indian education. And tell us what that is. A hundred kids or something yeah, like I, that. I, right? I believe it's, if you have a hundred um, native students or more then you're required to have an Indian education department. So world has had that for, Quite a few years. So even in the curriculum K through 12, correct? Correct. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure we got that out there. I knew that because you told me before we got out here, but I want to make sure our listeners hear that too. Yep. So um, in the early days, there was uh, a lady by the name of Rose Johnson um, who had native blood and she, she did a lot of work on developing the the current logo that you see, uh, the, 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 the native emblem and the native head that you see. And so she did some work. Then her daughter did some some more work on it. And then Henry Boucher came in, and he spent some time being the coordinator of that. Um, and he did some really good things um, working with the ACLU, the Minnesota ACLU, to, to to get them to understand who we were as a community and why our logo was what it was and, and, and all that. So that was really good. And then currently, in the last few years, we've, we've got a, a new Indian Ed coordinator in by the name of Lawrence Norwegian, who is kind of accelerated the education of it all. He's a hockey dad too, right? He's a hockey dad too. But um, he's taken all the history and all the information and he's brought it to the forefront, not only in our community, but he's trying to to make sure anybody that visits um, a world um, sporting event, whether it's uh, in the arena or in the, in the gym or ball field. ball field, wherever it is, that he's trying to educate um, everybody on how and why we're the world warriors. And it's it's well stated. It's well written out. It's it and and you said um, off air before we started. He's just supersized everything. Yeah, he has. He's he's accelerated it. Um, he's he has has had a passion to do it. But the passion is the education. You know, um, he has taken all this information that he's developed and said we just can't keep it for the native community. We had to let everybody know about share it. it. And so he's sharing it. Um, and I just think. To, in most cases, education is it will will answer a lot of questions. 
Before we turn the recorder on, you told me a story about a student who's done some research on the Native community. And was it a Native student who did yeah, it? Yeah. And tell a little bit about that. I thought that was fascinating knowledge about the community and, and how, it, how it, really, it really speaks volumes to what's happening today in your community. Yeah. Well, um, there was a, a student. Um, her name is Trishelle Bunn, and she, she was a, a hockey player on the, on the girls' team. And one of the things she did is she did some real history with the encouragement of Mr. Norwegian to, to try to find out exactly how it all came to be. And she did. And she, what she found out, and it was really good for, for even someone like me who's been there my whole life. And You were living in the forest to couldn't <laughs> yeah, see the tree, right? I, I didn't, didn't see the trees. But what basically she found out was how the name originated. And it basically was uh, a chief, and I'm not going to say his name because I'm going to say it wrong, but... Um, during the Sioux and, and Chippewa battles, he was left for dead or played dead and uh, made it back a, a great distance back to his to his camp and uh, got through it. And then his son, who was Namaypuk, who we became the next chief there again, he was the, the guy that uh, had the foresight to do the a trade with um, the local community at the time to, to say... Here we would like to build our school here on your trusted land, and 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 so it was that chief and that family that uh, set up the World Warriors. So Nabaypuk, right? Did I get that right? Uh, he was buried. Where 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 was he buried? <laughs> He's this again. is great. This it, is so great. <laughs> so he was. You buried, can't make this up, right? He was buried along the river in uh, in World. It's preserved so, land, right? Yep. It was, and uh, and part of that land. Um, ended up being um, purchased by the famous Christian family in from Oro. You know, uh, Roger, Bill, right? Bill Christian, Roger Christian. They 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 got this little chunk of land and and these uh, native burial ground, basically of of that uh, that chief is there. And again, to me, just how the community has always functioned together. Um, so there's reserve land there. And yeah, but Roger cherished this land. I mean, he took care yeah, of it. Roger took care of it, and that's where, again, to, to me, the blend comes in. So native land, Christians have live on it, and Roger Christian um, took care of it, took care of that land, made sure the heritage is still there. It's still there to this day. You can, you know, it's, it's kind of could be a, uh, a little history site for world, for anybody to come to world. They should. Uh, Roger's should granddaughter plays goalie for... The girls' team, yeah. right? Olivia, right? Olivia, and then she's got a sister that Hannah that is playing at Concordia. Oh, that's great! Yeah. Great. Okay, so we know the history now. Um, uh, Henry Boucher was a preserver of of the history. Lawrence has kind of taken it and brought it even greater. Correct? Yes. All right. So I want to talk about how does all of this history and hockey tie together. It's the, I know it does. I knew it. I, I, didn't, I knew when we, I started this interview, we were going to talk about the Native American heritage in World, and, but how hockey's such an important part of that, tying the two communities together yeah. into one. Well, just my history on it is this. Of course, the Natives have always been in that area, right? Yep. So as the, as the settlers came in and, and started developing World into community, the two were together. And it seems like, for the most part, they've always been together. And of course, hockey became a big part of world. So then the native community becomes a big part of world. 
and it's for as long as I can remember, and and for what I know, since there's been hockey, there's been natives that play, and so. Again, I, I can't go back to the early days, but as long as I can remember, those that's that's been the marriage. It's been accepted. It's part of it. Um, it's 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 flourished. It's helped. It's promoted. Whatever you want to say, it's just part of it. I, you know, in, in different interviews, I talk, I've talked about world as being a, a as a nice melting pot in a melting pot of multicultural people and, um, you know, that all shapes walks of life and and the natives have just always been there and and so they've always been part of what one of the things world is known for and that's hockey and so it's great it's they're just they're always there before we turn the recorder on you told me a really good story you told me about how hockey the marvin family mike and cal it kind of took you under their wing. Yeah. I, and it's a great story. Yeah. I, I, Lil, I was nearly teared up. So can you <laughs> at least give the, our listeners half of, at least half of that bit that you told me? It was awesome. Well, most people that know hockey know that, that Cal Marvin and Cal Marvin's family was, you know, Cal was the, the godfather. The godfather, the driving force behind world hockey as a whole, not mm-hmm. just youth hockey or high school hockey or the world Lakers that he was part of for 50 50 years and all the USA hockey stuff he did he was a hockey guy and his family's a hockey family and so the story I'd like to share is like as I grew up coming from a a single mother family um, when I was ages 10 through 15 you know I got I was playing hockey Um, we all know even then in the late 70s early 80s hockey still was kind of expensive but I never went without, um, never missed a game. I always had a meal. Uh, as I grew older, I found out that it was guys like Cal that would just make sure that would happen. Matter of fact, the story I, I told, and it maybe in the, I think what you like, is when I was a Bantam, 15 years old, we had a pretty good team. We missed out on the state tournament. Our coach was Billy Christian. And <laughs> and, uh, um, and uh, Cal had a kid on team – is he David Marvin? So he's a year younger than you, yeah, right? So so Billy and Cal, I think, had decided that since we didn't make state tournament, we should take a really fun trip to Boston. And of course, Billy was selling uh, hockey sticks all over the the world at the time, so he had some connections in Boston. So we, our Bantam team, got to go to Boston for a week. Go on an airplane. Go on an airplane. And again, coming from a single family and and, and not much to do, I was scratching my head thinking, how the heck was I going to get to go? And and uh, Cal just came to me and said, "Don't worry about it, you'll you'll go." So um, he made sure I went, took care of my airline ticket, things like that. Of course, yeah, I had to do the work for him in the summer, but to pay him back. But you know, things like that. Um, I think of things like that. That's how I got through. That's how I got to be involved in a in in hockey. Um, and then. you weren't taking. You've now given back in oh. spades, right? You <laughs> saw so. you saw that they made they brought you into the family, and now you're leading the family. You're the high school one of the high school coaches. You've coached the mites. You've coached the peewees. You've coached the girls. You 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 love sees no color with you. Love sees no <laughs> size. Talk a little about your passion of coaching the game. Oh yeah, well yeah. Cal taught me a lot, and 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 uh, and Mike and, and and that family as a whole is, is how you can develop a passion for something and the passion was hockey and and he did have a lot or those Mike and Cal had a lot to teaching me the passion of this game and so 
um, off to school for a couple of years when I came back uh, and settling back into Warroad, um, Mike just says, you should, you should, you should start coaching. So at the time I was playing Laker hockey and coaching, I started coaching peewees when I was 19 years old and of course didn't know much, but, um, found out that I really like coaching more than playing. And so, and ever since 33, 33, I didn't even know, 33, 34 years later, I'm still coaching. So I've coached just about all levels in Warroad, uh, the longest tenure I had was at the Peewees. I think it was an 18-year, 19-year run at Peewees and a couple years of Bantams and coached Mites and assistant coach squirts one year. And and uh, seven years ago, I started helping coach the girls' team, girls' high school team. And then I think this is my fourth year of uh, being on Coach Hardwick's staff. It's fun to say uh, you coached Gigi Marvin. Yep. I mean, I mean, the list of the players that you've coached, is it's Unbelievable. But talk about coaching, having a girl on the team. Was she the best player on the team? No. 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 Who was the best player on the team? Well, when they were second-year peewees, I would have to say Kyle Hardwick, who had a pretty good career, too. Yes. Coach Jay's that, brother. Absolutely. But that was a really good team, and Gigi was a big part of it, though. Um, she was. Uh, but that team was, well, the old five state championship team. Right, um, that TJ joined. You know, TJ wasn't there when they I were knew he team. wasn't on the P. Was he came in high school yeah, or just yeah. before high school? Yeah, he, in between his ninth and tenth grade year. Okay, but uh, so that team was really good. There was a lot of good players on the team, and then they added TJ to it, and that's I think how you go twenty nine zero two and and win a state title. But Gigi was up until that time. She was she always played with that group, and she was really good. And of course. I would say this, that one of the biggest things, at least in my opinion, with Gigi is what I call big ears. She would take in everything that, as a coach, you had to offer, and it seemed to stick. So that's what was fun coaching Gigi is she had, she was a good listener. And now she's a uh, spokesperson for the game of hockey. <laughs> How proud are you of that? <laughs> well, I, You were actually a part of planting the seeds of well, teaching her about the game, and now she's out there doing it. Kind of like Lawrence is doing in the community here, right? She is a phenomenal person. Um, she was a great hockey player, but she's just a great person. And, yeah, listening to her do some of the stuff she's doing now and, and what she – yeah, she's she's good. She's good at whatever she does. She's so great. I was watching the Gophers a couple of nights ago, and she's doing the broadcast, and she couldn't help but to slip in the fact that her cousin Grant was leading scorer in the state. <laughs> she was great, though. I mean, it was really, really well yeah. done, the, yeah. the stuff that she's doing out there, being a spokesman for the game. And now I ha can't help but talk. I know we're talking a little bit about the natives, but I love talking a little bit of war road history. And you're, you're, you're tight with, the, with that family. Do you see a little bit of Cal in, in, in Gigi, or do you see more Beth in Gigi? Well, I, I see Cal, but I, well, I see her mom and dad first, to be honest with you. Okay. But, you know, where um, her dad, Mike, got yep. is from, so it's indirectly Cal. But um, it's just, yeah, she's done things right. And I think there again, it's just how she's been taught um, as a family and um, with her parents and grandparents and, and everybody around her that it's, yeah, you, you just see um, – well she's been taught but uh, you know you can you can you can be taught a lot of things but you have to absorb it to you to, said to the, big years, the, big the big years the big years yeah all right final question we're going we're to tie this all together um it, I, I, the reason i wanted to do this interview is was i think 
we can learn a lot from Warroad. Um, and what are some of those lessons? I mean, you talk about, well, yeah, in our community, we have natives and we have white people or whatever, and it, we work and we work it together. Mm-hmm. What lesson could you, what's the one takeaway? I mean, because it doesn't work. You and I have mutual friends that work in the native, native cousins of yours. Yeah. They work in the native community here in the Twin Cities. It doesn't work as well here, and maybe because it's just so big. But what lesson could we give? What could, what could Minneapolis or what could St. Paul or, for that matter, Oklahoma or Florida or New York, what lessons could be taken away from what people in world do with their community embracing each other? I think two things. I think one is education. I, I think, you know, if you're ignorant on something, just learn about it. If you're, if you're ignorant on the native ways or cultures and that, just learn. Just, just, just take the time to learn and, and vice versa. And, and I think why it works so well in world is, is there has, like then from, from the Johnsons and Henry and Mr. Norwegian and, and all the, the people who have been involved with the Indian Education Department as a whole, it's been all about educating both sides of the story, you know. Um, and if people would learn that, then everything can be good. It's, it's just not a certain way. It's, it's understanding and acceptance of how things are and I, and I always say both sides, you know. Right. Um, you have to understand the Native culture, and the Native culture has to understand the white culture. Uh, you know, like say, in war, there's also a big Laotian. Yeah. You know, you got to understand their culture. You got, uh, and so you got to understand all that, and and you got to accept all of that. And then I think any community can get along, and you can be as multicultural as you want or as as plain as you want but you can get along if you just educate yourself and don't be ignorant to 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 things and be accepting of of people and 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 who everybody is i just that to me is just life in general you just let's wrap this put a wrap on this and i want to talk about your you've been a native hockey player hockey coach hockey dad hockey grandpa you know (laughs) you're grandpa you know so what do you see the future for for native hockey players in, in the future and 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 is is hockey the sport for natives to play well in this state i i i believe that um that could be a whole nother podcast if you ever wanted to really talk about it. i could yeah i have some ideas but um in our community it's worked well and and to me it's worked well because of two things one well we talked about you educate and you accept um and you allow in so in our community, like say, since the start of time, there's been natives there, and then hockey became a big part of that. So natives become part of that, and it's been accepted, and it's just part of it. And and for us in world, it's kind of funny that we were even talking about it because it's just how it is, right? It's just right. it's just everyday life, you know. It's so I think any community, anywhere, can do any the same. Sport, any extracurricular, whatever it is, can do the same. If just those two things with with education and acceptance it will all work you have some relatives here in town that have been bugging you you have any shout outs to the the hardys or the <laughs> ballingers or yeah all any other people talk a little bit about those people we we found we have a mutual connection talk we, we talk do. about your relatives who are they and why are they related <laughs> to you uh, they're just they're just clowns from my high school they're they're actually <laughs> relatives of yours they are uh the hardy family um from from down here um well, we call him Dob, but 
Albert and, and Janice and, and um, their three kids were related to. Um, we we shared grandmothers that were sisters. Um, That's and, pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, and TJ's grandmothers and still in that in that same family, and um, so they're down here and. Um, They've they've always been down here. We used to spend summers together in Springsteel Island when they had come up to the cabin, and so that's where we got to know. Had a little bit of a family reunion a few years ago, but we just don't see each other a lot. So um, we're in town. Um, gonna get a chance to see them, see Frank and and the Hardys, and and so that's fun. It's it's you know we don't see them enough being four hundred miles apart, but it's it's always nice to. We're to gonna bring it. Family. We're gonna end it full circle. He says the word Frank. Frank Bellinger okay. played high school hockey at Minneapolis West, which is in my backyard. Frank played high school hockey with my brother, and we would have never made that connection if it weren't for our show and weren't for our hockey. Thanks a lot, Daryl Son Bay. It was a fun time before we turned the recorder on, just as much when we turned it on. Well, I appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for letting me try to get that out. I appreciate it. Good luck to your team this weekend. Thanks.